And welcome back once again to the Radio Ranch Family and Network. Today with Mark J. Victor and the Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. We're here once again with the Peace Radical Show. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today? I am absolutely fantastic. Spectacular. You know, we're in the Glad middle, to have you. We're in the middle of this global pandemic, but you know, still every day above ground is a day worth celebrating. Don't we, you think? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. That's what Milton Burr, Uncle Milty used to say. It's all about perspective, my man. <laughs> all about perspective, right? I mean, right, true that. We, uh, we live in a first world country. Things are great. We got first world problems. And I like to say that uh, we're honored and privileged to have first world problems. Right. You know, when you take a step back and you think about it in those terms, it, uh, it really changes your perspective. And we all need to do that more and more. We That's need, true. Yeah, we need really to relax and, yeah. just, and, and just recognize that we're here for a short time. And um, we're brothers and we're sisters and we need to enjoy our time here on the planet and treat each other properly. And really, that's yeah, what, that's what yeah. this show's about, right? It's about, right. really, at the end of the day, um, it's really about how we treat each other. That's all we're talking about on this show. Right. That's what we're talking about. So maybe we should, um, you know, Good talk. Good thing. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you know, um, just continuing with that things pop in my head right i know we have plans but we can go left or go right or do whatever we think is best and you know when you um when you talk about how people treat each other which is what we're really talking about on this show there's really how we ought to treat each other and there's how we must treat each other right. those are two totally different things if you think about it right uh, and this is I a suppose they are, yeah. yeah you know and that people don't make a distinction about this is really a huge root of our problems what i would say is how we ought to treat each other these are moral questions. Like, right, for example, uh, the rule about uh, respect your elders. Right. And, you know, I've noticed as I'm getting older and older, this seems like a more important rule <laughs> to me, by the way. But, you know, that, that's how we ought to treat each other. But it's not how we have to treat each other. No, right. Right? If somebody says, you know, I don't care about that. Somebody's older than me. I don't have to treat them with respect. Golden rule is a suggestion. Yeah. I mean, this a good is... good one. Don't you right? It's a good rule. And we should raise our kids with all of these moral values. And they are super important. And that's right. why you can't really have an effective movement unless you are teaching values. But these are things that are aspirational things. This isn't stuff that we're trying to put into the law, right? We don't want a law that says... You break the law if you fail to respect your elders. Right. There's a reason why that's not a legal rule. That's a moral rule. Right. So really what we're talking about, I think that's important that we need to peel apart, is the difference between a moral rule and a legal rule. How do we figure out? You know, a legal rule is something, sorry, if you don't like it, too bad. If you violate that kind of a rule, somebody's going to show up, right? right. Well. With a shiny badge usually and maybe even take you away. Hillel might have argued that there wasn't a difference. There should, and you know, and, and this is part of our problem. We have, we have moral rules that are into the law, right. and we need to get them out of the law. Doesn't mean they're not important. They're critically important. These are the kinds of things that lead to a virtuous society. This is what parents are supposed to be doing, right? We, right. we good parents teach their kids about the importance of moral rules and values and things like that, and we don't need the government getting involved in that. That is not the role of government. Right? I, I raised five. I didn't really need the government once to tell me how to do it. Yeah. yeah I, I always told my kids, you know, the, the rules of our house, they supersede the government's rules. Just because the, you know, sometimes my kids would hit me with, well, look, the, there's no law against this. I say, well, there might not be a law against it, but I got a rule against it. And that's more important. Sorry. Yeah. I'm the parent. We, yeah. You know, we're teaching morals and values, and this stuff is important, but it doesn't mean that we should put all of our morality into the law. Right. Because at the end of the day, we don't all agree on morality. There's, right. some, there's some basic things we agree on, right? Those, the basic, what I like to call maybe the least common denominator of morality. Things that all good moral codes major religions of the world that are successful they all agree on that's the that's the really the least common denominator of morality and that's what we should put into the law what is that it's right. like what we talked about last time it's you know the rule don't be an aggressor show me a good moral code or or a religion that's gone anywhere that doesn't think that that's an important rule right right it's okay to hit somebody over the head right i mean that's just not um, something that you find. It's not one you find on the list. No, no, and, and it's that's why it's okay to put that into the law. You you don't. It doesn't matter what your opinion is about that. You don't get to be an aggressor. You don't. It's the rules we taught in kindergarten. 
Right. They were, they were among the first rules we ever learned on the planet, right? Remember, you got sent to school and you want to grab everything and push everybody and somebody stopped you and said, hey, keep your hands to yourself. And hey, you know, you, you don't grab the other kid's toys without his permission. Right, yeah. I mean, don't you think those... Novel ideas. Keith, were those good rules in kindergarten? Well, it was pretty, it was, you know, quaint ideas these days, but yeah, it uh, seemed to work out pretty well. You know, it occurs to me that uh, they still remained good rules when you got to high school, right? Right. Weren't they still the rules? Pretty much, Do you yeah. think they should have yeah. still been the rules, right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with no. that. Yeah. I remember when I was earning my undergraduate degree at ASU, they were still the rules. Yeah, right. When did they stop being the rules? Uh, that's a good question, yeah. And why yeah. should they ever stop being the rules? Right. Shouldn't we? Why should we ever repeal the kindergarten rules? <laughs> we shouldn't. We should, ex we should say, look, the kindergarten rules were good rules in kindergarten. Right. They were good rules in college. They're still good rules today. And they're good rules for me and you. They're good rules for all individuals. Right. And they should still be good rules for all groups, right? Because what's a group? Right. A group is, is individuals getting together. Right. If, if the individuals can't break the kindergarten rules, then the organization the can't. can't either. How right. does the group get the right to break the kindergarten rules? Right. That's what the government is. It's a group. Right. You can, you know, there's nothing magical about a government. No. It's, it's Especially ours. It's people right. getting together and forming up the rules and saying, hey, we're the authority. But, but to have the government or a group or a person violate the kindergarten rules... We should be able, the reasonable people of the world should be able to stand up and say, hold on a second, keep your damn hands to yourself and don't take other people's toys without their permission. Right. That's what we're really saying with live and let live, isn't right. it? Well, That's what, yeah. I mean, just to recap on what we were talking about. But if I ever say anything, Keith, that violates the kindergarten rules, will you let me know? Well, yeah, sure, of course. I don't, yeah. I don't ever, yeah. I expect to live the rest <laughs> of my life without ever violating the kindergarten rules, and I'd yeah. like to convince everybody else to agree with me on that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's, That's really, and yeah. if, you know, if we just did that, we could get to peace, right. right? Because the kindergarten rules say, look, don't be an aggressor. Right. What's an okay? That's great as a rule, but you got to ask yourself, what does that mean to be an aggressor? Right. We lawyers like to split hairs a lot. Okay. Well, what does that exactly mean? It sounds great. What just like live and let live sounds great. Okay. Great. Everybody agrees with that. But what does it mean? Right. Okay. It's got to mean don't be an aggressor, right? Because if I'm hitting you over the head, I'm, I'm certainly not following the live and let live rule, right? Not we can really. agree on right. that. Yeah, but what does it being an aggressor mean? Well, it certainly means you can't use force against another person. I think we could all agree on that. There shouldn't be any controversy there. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, fraud, right? Fraud right. Is, is not exactly the same as physical force, but it's still an aggression against another person. You're sort of tricking them out of their money or into doing something that they didn't want to do. Right. And then coercion, right? right. Maybe I didn't actually, if I, if I held the gun to your head and said, Keith, you better do this or I'm going to pull the trigger, I didn't actually touch you right but i'm coercing you, you certainly coerced absolutely yeah. i'm still I'm, I'm violating the live and let live rule because i'm being an aggressor right that should be easy i should be able to get everybody listen man if you're listening to this show and you disagree with something i just said i really love to hear from you right tell me why you should be able to be an aggressor why you should be able to use force or fraud or coercion and by the way uh, i really would like to hear from you my email is mark m-a-r-c at attorneysforfreedom.com. That's the name of our law firm, Attorneys for Freedom. We're super easy to find. I like to say I'm the easiest lawyer on the planet to get a hold of. I return my emails promptly, almost always within 24 hours. Right. Even if you hit me up on a Sunday or New Year's Eve day or Christmas day, I check my emails all the time. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me why I got that wrong, right? That should be pretty easy for people to, for reasonable people to understand. Look, I, right. I represent people sometimes who don't agree with that rule. They like to, they like to hit other people. They like to take <laughs> other people's stuff, right? So not everybody agrees with that yeah. rule. So I say reasonable people. Right. I think if you're reasonable, you should agree with that rule. And then you know we lawyers like to get into things like threats of such things, right? A threat of physical force. What if I, I threaten to punch you in the face, right? Isn't that doesn't that violate the live and let live rule too? It does for me. Well, I mean, if you don't agree with that, then you can't agree with the idea of self-defense, right. right? Because because if you understand self-defense properly, and most people agree you have a right to defend yourself, you don't have to wait until somebody's fist 
hits your face, right? Once you yeah. have an imminent threat, it's right there. Somebody's making the fist. They're saying, man, I'm, Keith, I'm going to hit you right in the face. You don't have to wait. No, you, could, you can hit me before I actually hit you. Why? Right. That's because the mere threat, a substantial, real threat, a substantial threat of one of these things right. also violates the rule. Right. If I can sell you on what I just said, if you agree with that, you're going to agree with every single thing that we're talking about in the live and let live movement. Because that's what we're saying. We're saying those things should always be illegal, whether they're done by an individual, whether they're done by a group or an organization or a government, whether you're wearing a shiny badge, whether you got a fancy title, everybody at all times, nobody gets to violate the live and let live rule. Nobody should be an aggressor. The rest of it is all commentary, right? And how does this play out? And there's lots of fun things to discuss right. and great issues. Sure. And lots of questions people have, and this is fun stuff to discuss. Like, could we really build a civilized world based on that principle? I think we could. Well, I know we could. We, we've already done it in many different areas. Simple inalienable rights. Why wouldn't we be able to? In fact, if you, if you asked me any question, hey, Mark, how do you feel about this situation? I'm going to give you the same answer every single time. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to pass. I'm going to listen to what you say. And if nobody is violating the live and let live rule in the scenario that you give me, I might say, Keith, man, I, I don't like it. I don't recommend it. I think it's bad. I'd counsel them against it. They shouldn't do it. But at the end of the day, if they're not violating the rule, I'm going to say, you know what? They should be left alone. Now, if they right. are violating the rule, then I'm going to say, look, we should do everything we can to terminate that conduct immediately. Nobody gets a right to violate the rule. Right, right. And why, and we should just, on this show, we should try to analyze every question that comes up in accordance with that procedure. Right. And I promise you we can come up with answers. Most of them are going to be pretty easy. Right. Like, for, like, for example, let's try one. Let's try one. Let's, let's just see how it works out. Okay. What, what, what if somebody is smoking marijuana in their backyard? And let's say that somebody is a competent adult, right? Because if you're dealing with kids, then you have That's a different right. rule, right? Sure, they don't right. get to make these yeah. kinds of decisions. But let's say you're dealing with a competent adult who's smoking marijuana in their backyard. And I said, well, uh, let's analyze that. Is that guy violating the live and let live rule? And let's go slow. Is he, is he initiating force against anybody? Nope. What about fraud? Is he initiating fraud? Not to my knowledge. What about coercion? Any coercion there? I can't see any coercion there. Is he creating a risk of one of those things against somebody? Apparently not. Well, then I would say back, if you asked me about that, look, I might not recommend it. It might be terrible. It could lead to crack cocaine. Who knows what could happen? It could, right. who knows? I may have all kinds of opinions about it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say, yeah, the live and let live rule is not violated. That guy should be left alone. So we try another one. What if that guy then gets up and gets in his car and starts driving down the road, a busy road with other people driving in it. And he's high. Just got done listening to Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon or something. Great so is he, is he initiating force against anybody? Well, no, but... He's not. He's not, right? He's not. He's going to say, hey, I'm not bothering anybody. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road, but I haven't hit anybody yet. Leave, leave me alone, right? Any fraud here? No, no fraud. Any coercion? No, no coercion. Is he creating a risk? I would, a nuisance at the very least, you'd think. I'd say, look, I'd say if he's really driving in a way, right, and, and we might describe this as reckless driving, right? In Arizona, I can tell you how this is defined. This is driving your vehicle in a way, recklessly, that endangers, creates a substantial risk of harm to another person or their property. There you go. Sounds is like that the, what he's doing? Sounds yeah. like exactly what he's Sounds doing to like, me. Yep. So then I would, say, I would say, look, we should stop that conduct immediately. He's violating the rule. Right. He's violating the live and let live rule. And almost all questions we can resolve just like that, right? I think where people get confused about it is they get into... They let their morality get involved. We try prostitution. Let's try that one, right? Right. So you get two competent, yeah, two competent adults exchanging money for sex. A lot of people are going to say, look, I think that's immoral. I think it's a sin. I think it's bad. It can lead to sexually transmitted diseases and this and that. But if they're not violating the rule, they should be left alone. Right. That's how I come down on it, right? I've got a very good friend of mine. His name is Jacob. And Jacob is a very religious Christian. He considers himself born again. And his position on prostitution is that this is a sin and nobody should do it. 
and it's a terrible thing to do, and he would work hard to discourage everybody from engaging in prostitution, either the woman working in the business or the man hiring the woman. Man, I would agree with him on those things, but... I might agree with him there, too, it, yeah. But, but does it violate uh, such a rule that it becomes something that would, would want prohibited, you know? I mean, from a, from a level out live standpoint. I mean, I can tell you, Jacob understands this stuff really well. Jacob, he's a former <laughs> law professor, he's an economics guy, very good thinker. And despite Jacob's personal position on prostitution, he takes the very important, nuanced, legal position that they should be left alone. Right. He says prostitution is immoral, but I absolutely support its legality. This makes sense, right? And right. of course, there are many, many other ancillary problems here that we haven't even discussed. There's things like black markets. Right. There's things like violence and incentives. Now, of course, you can add the pimp to the discussion, right? Well, now, what, what if... You add the pimp. And now we've got a guy who is telling this woman, hey, you know, get out there and do this and do that and blah, 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 strong arm and number and all that. Well, okay, well, how does that change the analysis, right? Right. Well, we got force. We got coercion. We got all of those things. Violates right. the rule. Absolutely right. against it. Yeah. Real easy. Nice and simple. So I know we're coming to the end of the first segment. And this is sort of a good little reminder about just kind of what we're talking about here on this show. What the heck does this live and let live thing mean? Because I can tell you, Keith, I, I can stand in front of any crowd and say, raise your hand if you're for live and let live. And everybody raises their hand. Well, right? sure. This is a saying that's everywhere in the world. People right. love live and let live. But as you know, as, as they say, the devil is in the details, right? All right, there you go. And so we're laying out some details here. But I think if we lay out the details carefully, we can attract reasonable people to this movement. Perfect. And, you know, we're excited about it. I'm sure the listeners are excited about it. And uh, we're going to have to take a break. Thank you so much. Hey, and we're back. Thank you for joining us here at the Radio Ranch Network, the Bull and the Rattler. If you're just now joining us, we're here with Mark J. Victor, an Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm, and the Peace Radicals Show. Mark, where do we leave off? We're definitely peace radicals, right? right? But you know what's so, what's so radical about peace? Right. I mean, I, if you want to call me a radical because I'm for peace, okay, I'll accept that. But at the same time, come on. Is it really so radical what we're talking about here? How about don't hit other people over the head? If that's radical, I'll accept the title. But, it, but frankly, it doesn't seem so radical. And really, what we're talking about here is a principle, right? Like you said, kindergarten rules. Yeah, kindergarten rules. It's a principle. Like, live and let live. Okay, we're, we're calling it live and let live, but there's no magic words here. You could call it, look, follow the golden rule. You could call it, how about you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. You could even call it, as some of my Mormon friends do, Teach them correct principles, but let them govern themselves. Right. Isn't that what we're talking about here? There are many different ways to say the same types of things. You know, the libertarians have a philosophical principle they call the non-aggression principle. Same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. These are, it's a principle we're talking about. And, you know, principles are important. You can ignore them if you like, but you ignore them at your peril. Right. And, uh, you know, peace, I think it's... If the goal is, and I think the goal ought to be of, of all good moral people, really to increase the happiness of other human beings on the planet while we're here. Increase your own happiness, increase the happiness of other human beings on the planet, and as well as reducing suffering. These are important right. goals. And, uh, you know, peace isn't going to get us there across every, you know, there's people with cancer and there's other problems in the world. But boy, if we could get to peace we could start working on these other problems and be so much more efficient and effective at getting the other problems of the ones that we are not artificial, right? We create a lot of problems ourselves. You know, the we government, do. just because of our crazy rules, like, for example, the problem of over-incarceration in the United States. We have over 2 million people in prison. We're the land of the free and the land of the incarcerated right. at the same time. We lead the whole world. Right. We sing a lot of songs about freedom and we love freedom and this and that, yet we're incarcerating at a higher rate in our country, more human beings than other people. I mean, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but there's a problem here. <laughs> right, right. This is an artificial problem. We, it this is. is an part, of it, part of it's because, as I understand it, we're privatizing the penal system. Well, I mean, I have some things to say about that. It, to me, who's running the jails and prisons isn't the important thing. Yes, I recognize that private actors who are capitalists and who want to make money want to lobby Congress to make more laws and put more people in prison. I get that. 
But if they, if the people who are making the laws were following the live and let live rule, that's going to fall on deaf ears. Right. I mean, I understand you want more people in prison, but if they don't violate the live and let live rule, we leave them alone here. That's an American principle. Really, the live and let live rule, uh, much of what the founding fathers of our country were talking about was live and let live. That's oh, yeah. what they, that's the yeah. whole reason people came to North America the ones who weren't here already, right. was for religious freedom. It was a live and let live idea, right? Look, you believe right. what you want to believe. No problem. I believe what I want to believe. Right. You can believe any religion you want. You're free to believe anything or nothing. You can reject all religion. You can reject God. You're free to believe anything you want so long as you don't violate the live and let live rule. Does, doesn't right. this make sense? It seems like right. it should be obvious. Inalienable rights. That's, yeah, uh, and we're trying to work to peace here, and I think... Yeah. I think a lot of people get confused about freedom and peace. And I think we need to put some definitions on the table, right? Because, look, I'm a big fan of freedom. We're the attorneys for freedom, right? I'm a huge fan of freedom. And uh, the reason we're not the attorneys for peace is because you have to get to freedom before you can get to peace. We should even, hard to talk about peace until you first get to freedom. What do I mean here? Okay, well, look, freedom is, I would define it, and there are many different definitions of freedom, but what I would accept as a definition is something along the lines of your right to be left alone, right? Your right to control your body, your money, your property, your time. If we did that, if we didn't trespass on each other, we would have freedom. Right. And freedom's great, right? So say, Keith, imagine you and I are neighbors, and uh, we don't like each other for whatever ridiculous reason. Say, for example... Uh, I'm a Patriots fan and you're a Jets fan. And we just, or even worse, I'm a Red Sox and you're a Yankees. We don't get along. We're not going to get along. And uh, I come out of my house and I look at you every morning and I say, damn you, Keith, screw you. I hope you have a horrible day. And you say the same thing back to me. We don't like each other. But you know, we don't trespass on each other. We scrupulously respect our rights to be left alone. I don't bother you other than just, you know, yelling and being upset with you. I wouldn't help you out if you needed it and you wouldn't help me out. We, we're living in freedom. Right. But, but we're damn sure not at peace. No, there's we? no peace. Here, we're not at peace. Yeah. Because peace requires more than freedom. Freedom requires, yeah, you have to be left alone. And we're not there now, right? Because if you are using your own property, like say we go back to the example we just talked about, the person, the adult, competent adult in the backyard smoking marijuana they're not left alone. I mean, they are now in this state for the moment. I, I, I get, for me, it's an even simpler one. It has been for years. The lady that comes by and knocks on my door and wants to sell me 12 tamales for $13. And the state says she can't do that because she isn't cooking in a federal kitchen or, uh, you know, she doesn't have this going on. Or There's problems if there, I, right? If, if, well, maybe, but if I choose to eat the tamales and she chooses to cook them and it... Right. Uh, Whose business is it between the two, other than the two of you? Whose Bingo. business is it? Right. So if you, if we, if we repeal that, right. And the tamale lady could come to your house. She's a competent adult. You're a competent adult. There's no fraud, right? She's not, right. she's not saying, Hey, these are tamales and they're really something else or something like that. There's no force. Right. There's no coercion. She's not holding a gun to your head. Unless you buy these tamales, here's what I'm going to do. There's none of that going on. Tamale the, cartel. Yeah. Right. The tamale <laughs> cartel. If you if you guys are left alone to do that, you're in freedom. Right. That you good. I'd love to accomplish freedom, a free world, a free society. These are important, but our goals are higher than that. Sure. We're we're trying to get to peace. We're trying to get to where I come out of the house and I see you in the morning and I say, Hey man, happy Friday. Have a great day. How's things going? How's life going? I'm there for you. I'm your neighbor. Right. Right. And that's living in peace, and that requires more than what I've talked about so far, more than just making aggression illegal. This requires aspirational values, things like open-mindedness and tolerance. Tolerance, yeah. yeah and voluntary kindness. Notice right. I say voluntary kindness. Forcing somebody to be kind, forcing you to pay charity, that's not the same thing. That violates the live and let live rule to begin with. Right. Voluntary kindness. Charity isn't charity if it's forced. No. Charity, in order to really be charity, we need to get back to the definition. This is helping somebody because it's the right thing to do. Right. Right? And reason and a commitment to truth and facts and civility. Right? People who disagree and and nobody agrees with everybody else 100%. But can't we have a civilized conversation? They seem to get rarer and rarer. It is. Uh, It is. When I was a kid growing up, and yeah, we could have a conversation at the dinner table over political views or even religious views. Nobody threw anything at anybody. 
<laughs> don't you love to see two bright people in total disagreement having a respectful conversation getting to the nub of what it is they disagree and why and what are the fundamental principles and is it a misunderstanding is it a difference on facts is it because a lot of times that's what it is right, right. A, for example um people get into arguments about global warming all the time right usually they're disagreeing on facts right one person says oh the, the earth is warming and it's warming at a rate that's going to cause a problem to other human beings on the planet. And the reason it's warming is because of things we humans are doing. Right. The other person says, ah, that's all garbage. It's not warming. It's actually cooling. Or if it is warming, it's not warming that much where it's really a problem. Right. Or if it is, it's not because of humans. It's because of the sun or something else. And, and that's why one is against and one is what they, they may not actually be in real disagreement on the issue. They're only in disagreement on the facts. Oh, no. I, in fact, imagine they're not in disagreement on the issue because neither one of them would want their home or property flooded by, right. I don't know, 80 billion gallons of seawater. Yeah. So you know what we lawyers do in that situation? I think more, more people ought to do this. Call the Civil Corps engineers? No, we don't do that. Uh, Some lawyers do that, unfortunately, but... You know, when we're ha when at least I can tell you, when we I talked do, about flooding. I thought of New Orleans. Hey. When I'm um, when I'm with my lawyer friends and we disagree on an issue like this, and I and I suspect we're just disagreeing about the facts, right? We could either spend our time trying to get to the bottom of facts, and good luck getting to the bottom of the facts on what exactly is causing the warming, if there is warming. This is a hard question, right? right? I'm a lawyer. I'm not. I don't have the PhDs necessary to figure this out. But what I will say sometimes to my friends on this issue is, okay, let's do a little thought experiment. Imagine the facts are as follows, and I lay them out. And you know what? I almost always find disagreement. Then that lawyer will say back to me, hey, Mark, imagine the facts are as I think they are. And I say, well, of course, if the facts are the way you think they are, I agree with you. Right. Why not just deal with it like that? Then we can say, okay, we don't agree on the facts, but that's no reason to be at each other's throats. You would think not. Right. And this is why peace is more important than freedom. Freedom is a necessary prerequisite, right? We, if, we're not, if we're not aggressing against each other, we can get freedom. But imagine we can't talk about peace if we're still at each other's throats and we're aggressing against each other. Well, I think a big part of peace, a factor, is security. Security from being aggressed, yeah. Yeah. aggressed against by other people. If you don't have security, you don't feel comfortable. There's no way you have peace. There's no way you're going to have peace. And I would also say this, right? Think, think about this for a moment. I would say that just like freedom is a necessary prerequisite for peace, peace is a necessary prerequisite for love. If you think about your relationship with your significant Absolutely. other, if you got a good one, right? If you actually have love with each other, that means you're probably not aggressing at each other, right? You have to first be in love. freedom, right? If you're, if she's stealing your stuff, you're stealing her stuff, you're hitting her, he, she's, she's hitting you, whatever. Okay, you don't even have freedom here, right? You guys are in a mess. Um, you're coercing each other. But imagine you could refrain from that. Well, you're still yelling at each other. You don't even have peace yet. Once you get past that, okay, you can have peace together, but love is yet something in addition to peace, right? I mean, love requires an additional element. Frankly, I'd love to be the attorneys for love in, in almost a biblical sense. Brotherly love is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yes. Right, I was just about to ask. The conversation was going very Greek language quickly with eros and agape and all that fun stuff. Look, I'm not afraid to say it. We should be loving each other. Right, um, sure. we should we it's, should love each other as brothers and sisters. But to get there, I think it's root of peace and freedom and security. To get there, we gotta we gotta at least agree that aggression is wrong. We gotta at least come together on that first. Then let's work on the aspirational values. Let's be open minded. Let's be tolerant of it. Okay, he has green hair. I don't have green hair. He has piercings. I don't like piercing. Whatever. That's his business. If he's right. not aggressing, let's be open-minded. He believes this. I don't believe that. I think it's BS. Okay, he has a right to believe that. Let's be tolerant of the rights of other competent adults to chart their course on what makes them happy, right? People have a right to both define their happiness and to pursue their own happiness, right? right. I don't get to define what makes you happy. Likewise. Who am right. I to tell exactly. you, do this, do that, it'll increase. I mean, I can make recommendations. I'm happy sure. to, right. if you need someone to run your life, I got suggestions <laughs> for you, Keith. 
but it's not my. Right. It's your. You're a competent adult. You right. get to make exactly. these decisions for yourself, right. and so novel idea these days. Yeah, this is why we got to start with fundamental principles, right? You don't come in on the issue without first getting the principle down straight. We got to first agree on the principle, and that's what we're trying to do with live and let live. This principle, it's a principle. It's not a specific set of words, and yeah, there can be hard questions out there, but let's reason around the principle. Let's first agree that you, you're you a competent adult, you're in charge of you, and I'm in charge of me. You get to define what makes you happy and pursue that peacefully without aggressing against other people. Let's agree that if nobody aggresses, we should be left alone. Right. Well, let's first get that agreement. I want a blood oath sworn on that point before we start talking about issues. Because if we can get agreement on that point, the rest of the stuff's pretty easy. Right. It really, it really flows pretty easily. So, um, you know, people have asked me, Mark, what the heck is different about live and let live as compared to, say, Republicans and Democrats? I mean, what's the difference here? I'd say there's a lot of difference. You know, from what I can tell, um, they don't really, the Democrats, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans emanate from an underlying fundamental principle. I mean, you might make the case uh, because these parties, of course, have shifted, right? I mean, if you look at what a Republican was during Barry Goldwater's time, that's different than what a Republican was under Ronald Reagan's time, different than what a Republican was under George Bush's time, and very different than what a Republican is under Donald Trump's time, right? I mean, Donald well, Trump's pushing tariffs, sure. right? He was pushing tariffs and things. This is something that would not have been uh, in agreement for Barry Goldwater, people in that. Right. Tr- there were lots of things that are different. So right. is it really and an underlying... likewise in the other directions as well. Just so, going to make yeah, the point. Right. Yeah, look where they're at now. The yeah. Dems have been all over the place. Now, the, you know, the I Dems... Know, my used- father was a George Wallace Southern Democrat, you know, and parties certainly changed a lot since then. A lot. You know, the, the Dems used to be the guardians of free speech, right? I mean, I used to, when I used to think of who's protecting free speech, it wasn't the Republicans. It was the ACLU. It was the ACLU and the people on the left who would take the really tough position. Right? Free speech is one of those fun things to defend because you always defend it at the edges. Nobody right. complains about speech that everybody agrees on. This only controversial. You want to be a free speech person, you get out there and defend the rights of some idiot to say some stupid thing as long as it's peaceful. Right. That's what we lawyers do. And I love to do that, right? And so it was the ACLU that was out there defending the rights of the um, white supremacist Nazi types to march right through Jewish neighborhoods as long as they were peaceful, right? That's the right position. But look at the left today, right? There's all kinds of microaggressions and thought crimes and things you're not supposed to say and... Um, all kinds of craziness, right? Wokeness, the things that are going on on the left, the thought police, deplatforming people. This is coming from the left, right? It's the left that's saying, "Look, only proper speech can be said." And so these parties have changed around a lot, and that's what I think the problem with not having a real principle underlying the philosophy is about. Because I can tell you what I'm talking about here: live and let live. This is going to be the same in a hundred years. It's the same as it was a hundred years ago. I was going to say, the people, yeah, the people who um, this doesn't originate with me. We're trying to keep something alive here. This idea of freedom, right? This idea of sort of self uh, ownership. This idea of being in charge of your own life. This is. It didn't even start with America, but this is damn sure an American idea. Oh, yeah. This was done... Homesteading Act, all of that sort of thing. This was done best in 1776. Right. Right? This was done best by those really gutsy people who signed the Declaration of Independence. Right. Telling King George III, hey, look, you know that property you think you own over here? Sorry. It's not yours anymore. It's ours. And you know there was some duress and coercion and aggression going on over that. You know, over that. That's for sure. Well, if you read the long train of abuses, it's really interesting. Much of this is very live and let live compatible, right? It's the right to natural rights. It's the right to control your body, your life, your property. That's what really America was founded upon. We have drifted far from those principles. And they weren't all perfect, right? These are people who owned slaves. There were a lot of inconsistencies. There were problems there. And, you know, we should get on the other side of the break. We should talk a little bit about the Constitution, right? Because a lot of people say, hey, Mark, why not just return to the Constitution? What's all this live and let live stuff? I think we should get on that on the other side of the break. That's a great question. Also, I want to talk about how my question is, so how do we get these religious 
politically, politically and militarily biased countries to start buying in on this? Excellent questions. I, by short answer, we need to lead by example, right? Let's be, let's be the leader, the real leader of the free world. Let's get out there and show them how it's done. Sounds great. We'll be right back. And we're back with Mark Victor. If you just joined us, Mark Victor, Attorney's Freedom Law Firm and the Peace Radical Show, liveandletlive.org. Mark, how's it going? Things are great, man. I just love talking about this stuff. It's, and it's what burns inside of me. And the reason it burns inside of me is not just because I would benefit from a free society, because I know all good people are going to benefit from a free society. And I love America and I love what it's about. And I right. love what our country used to stand for and does to some extent still stand for. And I feel like, you know, we've gotten far off the track. We're so far off the track, we're not even talking about fundamentals anymore. Right. All That's we talk awesome. about is surface issues here and there. Like, for example, I know we said we're going to get into the Constitution, but I can't resist bagging a little bit on the Repubs and the Dems a little bit more. But, you know, the, the one thing the Repubs and the Dems both agree on is it's perfectly fine to violate the live and let live rule. They can boss you around. Right. They can tell you anything they want to tell you. They can bu they can bully the heck out of you. The only thing they're disagreeing on is to in what areas should you be bullied? Right. 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 I mean, the Republicans are more likely to bully the heck out of you on civil liberties. Right. Who traditionally we were talking we've been talking about legalization of marijuana. Who traditionally has had a problem there? Who wants to tell you what you can put in your body or who you can? Who you can marry or who you can have sex with or uh, any or, or euthanasia or prostitution. Who wants to boss you around? Who wants to take their morality and put it into the law and boss you around on the civil liberties side? That's almost always the Republicans. Right. Right. Nothing. Again, look, I have no. a lot of Republican friends. They're good people. But we need to get our brains around this issue. You don't get to boss people around. Imagine that. And the Dems. They want to. They're generally better on the issues I just listed. They want to. They're still happy to boss you around on those issues. They boss you around a little bit less, maybe, but they want to take your money. Right. They want to tell you how you got to spend your. We've decided you should spend your money on this and that and the next thing. Which, by Big the government. way, I'll note. I got a lot of friends on the left too. These are good people too. I mean, we need. No. To, I want to be very clear about this. The vast, in my opinion, the vast majority of people on the left who want to raise your taxes and take your money, they want to do that because their heart is in the right place. They want to help those less fortunate than us. They want to use it for charity. They want to force charity on you. They want to help uh, extend health care to everybody. I mean, of course I want people to be able to have health care and, and people who are less fortunate to be able to educate their kids and get food and have good paying jobs. I'm just not willing to boss you around to get my way. Right. Right. right? Yep. I mean, these are people with their hearts in the right area. But all I, what I say to my friends on the left is, look, I generally agree with your goals. I disagree with your means. Right. We don't get to boss. We don't violate the live and let live rule to accomplish a goal that even I think we should accomplish. Because if we do that, we overthrow the goodness of our position. Right. right. To sit there and say, you know, I think, for example, we should help uh, economically those less fortunate. And there's all kinds of. Uh, situations where really your heart would bleed if you heard these situations. I agree with them. But to, to overthrow um, kindness by saying we're going to take somebody's money, we're going to force you to do this whether you like it or not, to me overthrows the goodness of the position, right? right. It's, it's, like, it's like saying to somebody who would steal your money and then you would complain about it and they would say, look, look, don't complain about it, Keith. Look, I'm using your money for great purposes, right? right? You might even agree, right. right? I mean, we could, I could probably press you and get a good purpose. Your money should be spent on maybe helping uh, babies born to crack moms. You, I'm sure you'd say, yes, we should help. But if I stole your money and I took the money out of your wallet and I gave it to them, you might still complain. Right. Well, you're complaining about my means, not my ends. Right, exactly. We can't overthrow the fundamental principles that we're about to accomplish a good goal or we overthrow everything. Now we're in an endless mud wrestle, which is what we have. Right. The Republicans and the Democrats, the two groups of bullies, are arguing amongst themselves how they're going to bully you. Right. And I'm yeah. simply saying to both of them, look, I know both of you have worthy goals. Let's not overthrow the most important fundamental principles that tie us together as Americans or even more broadly speaking, as good human beings. We don't initiate force against other people. No matter what, right. we don't. It's always wrong. 
It should always be illegal to do that. Again, show me a time where the kindergarten rules don't work. Right, right. And, 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 I'll, and I'll back off, right? So um, a lot of people will say, yeah, Mark, this all sounds great, but if we could, we could just get back to the Constitution, right? Why doesn't that solve everything? Right. Look. That's a good question. It is a good question. Our Constitution has generally served us pretty well. Uh, in some areas. In other areas, it's been a complete disaster. I can tell you that if, uh, say, th- we brought Thomas Jefferson or even uh, the, the energetic big government guy, Alexander Hamilton, and showed them what was going on today, they would say, oh, my God, you guys, were, we were better off under King George III with his long right. train of abuses than we are right now. Right. I mean, really, yeah, they, they'd be horrified. Yeah. Are you kidding? No. There's so many... I mean, we could get into what's happened with the Commerce Clause. I mean, this is right. this was supposed to be, uh, it's in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. It was, remember, the Constitution is a very limited, specifically defined powers for the federal government. This is our concept of federalism. And they can, Congress only has the powers to do things that are listed in Article 1, Section 8, and yet the Commerce Clause is in there. And really right. what they were thinking about when they said the right to regulate interstate commerce is, When they use the word regulate, they meant to make sure it's working properly, to make sure we got a big free trade zone here, that we don't have tariffs, that Rhode Island isn't setting up a tariff to tax goods coming in from Massachusetts. Yeah, it's just we should have a free trade zone. Our founding fathers recognize that trade is good. And a trade is good, right? Trade is, look, when, when you have a trade and there's no violation of the live and let live rule, right? There's no coercion, there's no force, there's no fraud. What you have is people valuing things differently. I got this, you got that. Do you want to trade? Right. Yes. That means you, you value what I got higher than what you got. Right. And we're both better off after the trade. Right. That's the nature of trade. That's, trade that's is a win-win work. situation that creates a both better off. We should be encouraging as many trades, free trades as we possibly can. Right. This is how we create wealth. Right. right. Correct. And this is really yes. what people confuse capitalism and crony capitalism. Right. Real capitalism, which you might call free market capitalism. capitalism. There's... There's no violation of the live and let live rule here. You right. See how consistent this is? Why don't we like crony capitalism? Because this violates the live and let live rule. Right. Crony capitalism, when wealthy people uh, give money to lobbyists and they lobby electors, they look, we'll donate to your campaign if you pass this law and force your competition into having to get a license or having to do this or regulate or something like that. They're violating the live and let live rule. We should make Congress and Senate wear uniforms like NASCAR so we know who bought them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> but you know, that's just the nature. This is what happens when the government, when the, this is getting back to the Commerce Clause, right? When this thing has expanded into a source of jurisdiction that allows the federal government to do virtually anything. Right. And when the government can do virtually anything, well, then there's a lot of incentive for people to give money to congressmen and senators to say, look, since we can do anything, let's do this. Uh, help me help hurt my hurt my competition and benefit my company. And so they do because right. they politicians want money to run their campaigns. We get this vicious circle and uh, it's the ugly money in politics. What if the government couldn't affect everything? What if they right. only went back to really what their purposes were? And so, look, where we started was the... Stopped con- printing money like uh, well, that's a, It's another huge problem, right? I mean, right. printing money. But so... Um, we have a lot to cover in our show. It's <laughs> a big project. Right, yeah. It's a big project. But look, uh, the Constitution. How did we get in this mess? What do you, what do you, how, how did all these maloprohibitum, anti-free trade things finally come about? Well, look, this gets to the real problem with the Constitution, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper with words on it. And somebody has to interpret it. And if the person interpreting it doesn't have the right principles in their heart, then they come out with an interpretation we don't like. Right. Right. Um, I mean, let me let me give you an example. Take the Second Amendment. Right. Nothing was said. Virtually nothing was said about the Second Amendment until 2008. And so there was a raging um, debate in our country about what on earth does the language, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What does that mean? That's a pretty clear one to me. It seems pretty clear to me, too. But because people are free to interpret, lots of them interpret even at the highest levels and in the different appellate courts and the federal appellate circuits across our nation many of them took the position that despite the fact that the word people 
in the first and fourth amendments actually meant people. In the second, it doesn't mean people. It does mean people. It right. means the it government. Means the state. It, it means, means the government. state. National yeah, the second guard. amendment. Sure. Yeah, the second amendment yeah. protects the rights of the states to have a national guard, yeah. and that's the end of that. Yeah. And yeah. so think about that interpretation for a moment, right? Yeah. I so moved back to the inalienable right on that one to carry a sword. The question is, what does it mean? And who gets to decide what it means? What does the Commerce Clause mean? Does it mean that there shouldn't be any tariffs between the states? We should have a free trade zone? Or does it mean that the government has a, the federal government has a right to pass virtually anything and regulate virtually anything anywhere under this guise of the Commerce Clause? And the right. difference between that really highlights the fact that it's about interpretation. There's no way to really move the world and to get a movement going other than winning hearts and minds. You gotta people, look, if the people on the Supreme Court, without changing another thing, if the, the nine robes, black robes on the US Supreme Court all of a sudden woke up in the morning and they were inspired to join the Live and Let Live movement, right. and they, it was in their heart, then we would start getting decisions that look differently. Absolutely. We wouldn't yeah. have to change a word. We right. wouldn't need an amendment change. We wouldn't need anything changed. They would just interpret things differently. They would, how differently? They would use a principle that we call the live and let live principle, which you might call the real, the principles of the American revolution. They might use those principles and start interpreting those words, which by themselves don't really have any effect in ways that are consistent with the principle, the live and let live principle. So look, the, again, the Constitution is a, look, the, most people who say to me, hey, Mark, um, I just think I live and let live, it sounds great, but I think we should just return to the true meaning of the Constitution. I, I said, well, what do you say when I say to you, we're already there? Right. The Supreme Court has decided that most of Obamacare is constitutional, and they've decided uh, that uh, the Patriot Act is constitutional and the countless lists of things that most of these people don't like. Right. Who are you to decide? The Supreme Court has already made the decision. So the point here is it's not the Constitution as interpreted by you. It's the Constitution as interpreted by nine other people, right? right? And what we're really trying to get to here is a principle. That's what we really, usually I'll say back to these people. I'll say, okay, let's put the discussion of the Constitution on the side for a moment. Tell me what laws you would disagree with if they were all consistent with live and let live. Where, right. where do you disagree with that? Right. Show me where you think the law ought to allow, legally allow, a person, a group, an organization, or a government to aggress. Right. Where should it allow that? I think they should never be allowed to do that. Right. Everything the government does, to the extent the government has a legitimate role, and I think it does, its role is to interpret and enforce the live and let live principle across all the different issues that arise. And to be fair, there's some hard issues. They're not all easy issues. There are some de different issues. Some of them are just factual disagreements. Some of them are just difficult. Let, let me give you an example of one. I think, uh, say for example, we use one that we discussed earlier on today's show, let's say the prostitution one. Okay, I very quickly smuggled in competent adults. Right. But what's a competent adult? Right. What's competent mean? Right. We have different definitions for this in all 50 states. Right. They're different. That's true. And what's an adult? Yeah. Does it mean that on the day of your 18th birthday, you are now an adult? What if one state says, you know, we think an adult is 17. Some right. places it's 16. Right. There's no real, I mean, I don't know what the answer to that is, but why do we have to come up with the same answer to that? Why can't we have reasonable people having reasonable disagreements on how to implement this live and let live rule. We're going to get different rules. Different communities are going to have, look, even we talked earlier about what's a substantial threat. I can tell you, lawyers who deal with a lot of gun cases like I do, and if you if you Google gun lawyer in Arizona, I'm probably going to come up first, second, and third. Right. Because I've done a lot in that area. And I'm here to tell you, people love to talk about self-defense. And anytime you're talking about self-defense, you're always talking about I always reduce the question to, is what the person did reasonable? Right. That's always what it means. That's, right. if you want, people ask me these questions all the time. Hey, Mark, you know, what if this happens, this happens? It usually goes something like this. What if I'm in my house and it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm sleeping and I hear a noise and I, I get up and there's a strange guy and he's doing this and that and I get my gun and what about that, Mark? Can I do that? And I always tell them, the way I hear your question is, hey, Mark, predict for me whether a randomly selected group of citizens from the local community will decide whether or not your situation is 
reasonable. Right. Because if they think that what you did is reasonable, considering all the circumstances, then yes, you acted in self-defense. If they decide what you did was unreasonable, well then no, you go to prison for a long time. These, these are hard questions. Man. We don't have easy answers. It's Life isn't all black and white. But the reason we talk about self-defense is because there's a principle there. There's proportionality. There's reasonableness. We have rules about it. You don't get to use deadly physical force to protect property. You don't get to use force to protect against mere words alone, even if they're offensive words, right? Those we've decided in advance are unreasonable. Wait, but don't the governments get to use mere force to protect property? I don't think they should. I don't think anybody should get to initiate force, right? Whether it's right. the government or not, nobody should be doing this. And so, look, to, to say that, yes, there are hard questions, that's true. There are hard questions, and we need to work on things, and life isn't all black and white. But what I'm saying is we need to have a process. We need to have a way that we reason around and through problems. And yes, we should be tolerant of reasonably different conclusions, right? There may be a community who comes up with, hey, you know, uh, we think... Uh, 17 is the reasonable age of consent and someone else says no, uh, 18 and there might be other construction still, right? There, so there might be reasonable. Accurate right here in the United States right now? Yeah. State I mean, to state. I, I tend to favor more of something where we say, okay, maybe over 18, yeah, you're presumed competent. Under, I don't know, 14 or 15, you're presumed not competent. And, you know, 15, 16, 17, maybe we got to look at the individual circumstances right. and have a hearing and say, is this person actually competent or not right. i don't know i think that's something that reasonable minds can disagree on there are so many things like that right what's a substantial risk a substantial threat of force that's not an easy question and, and we should work on that but what i'm suggesting is we should reason around it around the principle we should first agree on the principle you don't get to aggress then let's talk about what aggressing is. And let's be, let's be fair and real. Look, there are, there are bad faith constructions of this too, right? I mean, I suspect somebody like Chuck Schumer, who doesn't like guns, right? And doesn't like guns, probably would interpret the live and let live rule and say, well, look, if you've got a 22 handgun unloaded, locked up in your safe, this is a substantial risk that you're going to shoot your neighbor because, you know, you could get up in the middle of the night and unlock your safe and load your gun by accident and accidentally just... I mean, this is an unreasonable construction, right? We should be right. able to say, look, this isn't. This is what courts are for and judicial. This is the true, really, in my opinion, the meaning of federalism, to make sure a minimum level of freedom of reasonableness constructions is what the case is, right? There are definitely unreasonable constructions. But right. we, we should talk more about the Constitution. I don't think that, uh, look, they got things wrong too, right? As I said earlier, the founding fathers allowed slavery. Slavery right. was was not unconstitutional. Right. What if blacks were three-fifths of, three of a person? Right, right, right. 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 So yeah. just because it's in the wow. Constitution doesn't mean it's a good thing. Right. Women weren't treated so kindly in the Constitution mm -hmm. at the beginning either, no, were they? No, no, nor there were. There yes. were lots of problems. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there are interpretation issues. And remember, if you just say, look, leave it to the Constitution, let's get back to that. Remember, the Constitution can be amended all you like. For all my friends out there who say, look, let's just get back to the Constitution. What would you say if the Second Amendment was repealed as it could lawfully and constitutionally be? Right. So we right. need, let's take some of these issues up next time. These are Absolutely. big questions and let's reason. World changing questions. Yeah, let's reason yeah. through them together. This is for reasonable people who want to change the world. Peace radicals, if you will. Spectacular. Thank you again. We appreciate it, Mark. Always and a good time. Attorneys Freedom Law Firm and the Peace Radicals Show. And thanks again for listening in and joining the Radio Ranch Network, the Bull and the Rattler. Been a pleasure.